Well, I hope that you will participate on May 6th and be a part of what God is doing. And uh, as we said, some of you may not be able to walk the walk, but uh, you can meet at the church. We're going to have some uh, activities here and some worship here. And then we're going to, those that can walk, will walk up to the East Henrietta Road. And those of you that can't walk, you can drive up there and meet us up there. And then we're going to come back. And uh, it's going to be a good day of letting the community know that we stand for life. And uh, we want you to be a part of that. So, uh, anyway, if you would this morning, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 11 this morning. Acts chapter 11. And by way of review, in fact, this morning we're going to talk about how God's kingdom for all grows and it continues to grow. It's, it's expanding. And as Peter came into Jerusalem, his fellow Jews took issue with him. Remember this in chapter 10? Uh, it's just amazing how not everybody could get on the same page in, initially. I know we've never had that problem before of all being unified, right? So I think even from the earliest church, there's been struggles within and so forth. But uh, they had issue with him, and it was as if they were asking him, what in the world were you thinking, Peter? What in the world were you thinking? Why would you work with those dirty, rotten, pagan, outsider Gentiles who are uncircumcised? I mean, they believed that, uh, you know, they were just a little bit better than the average. They believed that, uh, you know, they had to, you know, step up on those pagan Gentiles and... Uh, in Acts chapter 15, verse 5, you don't need to turn there, but it says, But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And there, uncircumcised, why in the world would you work with them? And it's amazing how there's always a us and them, right? Seems like it's been from the beginning of time. And uh, this is my one little rabbit trail that I'll try not to stay too long on this morning. But I really think that there is a type of us and them that goes on within the church of Jesus Christ today. And remember, it's not necessarily what goes on in these four walls, right? Right? We understand that, right? Because this is just where the church gathers. The facility holds the church, right? The church goes out. But it's amazing how we only go out to be around those that are like us. Isn't that amazing? When's the last time you went out and you made a point, you made a conscious effort to make a friendship, to start a friendship, a relationship with somebody who is different than you? Well, they're African-American, and they're just so different from me. Shame on you. Well, they're Indian. They're Nepali. They're Congolese. They're just different. Well, they're, they're really poor. They come from a really different kind of a background. I mean, don't you know that? I mean, there's, they've had like generations of divorce after divorce after divorce, and they're just different than us. They just don't get it. When's the last time that we took down the walls of us and them? And here's why. If we were to get to verse 17, it says, or actually verse 16, in our text in Acts chapter 11, it says, And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to, there is the word, them, 
the same gift as he gave to us also, after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could prevent God's way? He said, do you realize that it was God who went before me and it was his Holy Spirit that worked in their hearts and drew them to himself and it was God who was doing this work? You guys want to get upset with me because I'm working with the pagan, dirty, rotten Gentiles? He said, it was God and who was I to prevent that? You know, when there's a prevention of God's work, it's usually because of us. Because we're unwilling to be obedient. We're unwilling to go to those who are different than us. Unwilling to start the relationship with those whom we may not understand. Shame on us. This church, I've said it for 12 years that I've been here, I hope to see one day that we have every nationality under the sun under one roof. Every ethnic group under the sun in one group under, the, under this ceiling. Because God died for all of us. And it's amazing, and I'll say it till I die. You cut me, I bleed red. You cut African American, they bleed red. We're the same blood. Right? Then why is it that we have distinctions that we just won't let ourselves get beyond? Here it is, the Jews. Those that knew the law. Those who are following what they said God told them to do. Why would you let them in? It's always going to be a case of us and them unless we allow the Holy Spirit to do what God wants to do. It's awfully quiet. Am I right? Amen. God wants to do a work to bring the them inside with us. How do I know that? He says it in the New Testament too in John chapter 10. He says, other sheep have I who are not what? Part of the fold yet we need to what? Bring them in. You say, I struggle to share my faith. I struggle to know what to say. I struggle to, to find opportunities. It's a good thing that you're honest about that because next week we're starting a new study on Tell Someone. You could come and be a part of it every Wednesday, 6.15. just so happens we're going to address those things. But you know, the bottom line is, if you want to see God work, invite Him to work into your life and He will work. And so there's this battle that's going on, so to speak. And... Peter is very clear about it. He says, who am I to stop what God is going to do? In Romans, I just want to read a quick verse here. In Romans chapter 15. Just the next book over here. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 11 most of the time. But I just want to read these couple verses. In Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 9. It says, and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy as it is written, Therefore, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. Again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Again, Isaiah says, Therefore shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, and him shall the Gentiles hope. We do have hope. Because God's love, God's gift of salvation was to all. Yes, the Jewish, said, Jewish people said, well, they should be circumcised. And he says, no, in Jesus Christ, there is no more circumcision. We are all one in Christ. And he says, who am I to prevent God's way? But here's the thing. Did they handle it right? Yes. Because it tells us in our text that after things settled down, 
And the understanding that God's gift was for all, they went out and did the work of the Lord. And I hope that's the challenge, one of the challenges that we can take away from this text today is that even though there may be differences, even though there will always be a us and them, that we can go out to them and share the love of Jesus, that we can share God's hope with them. And pretty soon they come become, become part of us because we're all together, one in Christ. Amen? Wouldn't that be awesome? I'm telling you, some of you wouldn't know what to do if you're on the mission field in an African country. You'd see these guys worshiping, and you'd say, oh, my goodness, something's wrong here. No, they just love Jesus. They just love Jesus a little bit different than you do. And ain't nothing wrong with it. Folks, we got to get over that. So, as we come into our text in Acts chapter 11, uh, those that were scattered following Stephen's death set out speaking the word of God in Phoenicia. In fact, let's begin reading in Acts chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him, saying, You who went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them order, in orderly sequence, saying, I was in the city of Joppa. So he's reminding them everything that took place. He was talking about once again how Cornelius had gathered everybody in and God was doing a work and the Holy Spirit came upon everyone that was in the house and everybody heard. And then we get down to verse 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. So there's this one group that said, even though we understand this, we're only going to go to the Jews. They didn't get it at first. But verse 20, But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, also proclaiming the good news of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because the gospel was for everyone. And it needed to be shared with who? Everyone. So who's everyone in your context? What, what do you think the Greek word says? Everyone. Right. There's no, there's no uh, mysterious deep meaning here. How many of us have neighbors, friends, co-workers, relatives that need to know Jesus? Raise your hand. That's your everyone. And they went out telling everyone about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 21 says, And the hand of the Lord was with them. Think about that. Says, As they went out sharing the gospel, the hand of the Lord was with them. And do you think that if the hand of God was with them, he'd also be with us? I have to believe that he would. And that he's going to go with us and he's going to go beside us. Because that's what John 15 says, is that he's, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. And he says, the Holy Spirit is going to bring all things to remember whatsoever I've taught you. And he says, yeah, I'm going to help you. When you're in conversations and you don't know what to say, you just shut up and let the Holy Spirit work through you. That's exactly what he does. He'll give you the words to say. He'll tell you when to say them. He will do a work in you that you won't even remember sometimes. But God works. It says the hand of the Lord was with them. And it also says in verse 21, another blessing. It says, a large number of them turned to the Lord. Isn't that awesome? In essence, there was preaching, there was power, and there was provision from God to do His work. And we find out in verse 22, Now the news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Isn't that amazing? They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have the Internet. They didn't have satellite. They didn't have news towers, or I mean radio towers. They had what? People who were going out and about, who were opening their mouth and sharing what God was at work doing. 
We have every tool under, under the sun at our disposal and we don't do it sometimes. Shame on us. But what happens upon hearing God is at work? People turn to Him. Now here's something I want you to think about. Every one of us in this room can be a Barnabas. Let me go on here just for a moment and then I'll come back to that point. It says in verse 21, And the hand of the Lord was with them. A large number of who believed turned to the Lord. Now the news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, sent Barnabas off to Antioch. And you think, well, who is Barnabas? Barnabas has been called the son of encouragement. You know, if you have no other gift, every one of us in this auditorium this morning can be a Barnabas. Turn your Bibles back. Keep your finger in Acts 11, but turn back a few chapters to Acts chapter 4. I want to show you four things about the life of Barnabas that every one of us can be like. Barnabas in chapter 4, verses 36 and 37, first of all. Verse 36 says, Now Joseph, a Levite, a Cyprian by birth, who was also called Barnabas, by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and he owned a field, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. First thing I want you to see about Barnabas is that he was a giver. I don't know about you, but I'm amazed at how well and how much and how vastly God has blessed me. Does anyone else say amen to that? You're blessed? We have so much. You open up your closet every day and you say, wow, I've got a plethora of clothes to choose from. You go to your refrigerator, and eh, it may not be everything you want that day, but it's full of stuff that you can eat. You go to your cupboards. Talk about, you know, God gave me this day, our daily bread. We have enough for the next four months. Between our freezer in the basement and our ex-refrigerator in the garage, and we have more than we'll ever know what to do with. What is it that God wants us to give to further the kingdom? What is it that God is blessed? We'll say, well, God didn't ask me to sell my home. No, he, do, he may not, but he may say, hey, would you help this person over there? Would you help with these people over here? Would you do a work that only you can do? Man, just this week, I was so blessed. I won't say a name, but just this week. Hey, are you guys still doing wells? Yep. In fact, here's what God did through that conversation. Thursday, I had a conversation with a man. He said, hey, might you guys be able to do another well? And I said, how much do you need? He said, right around $1,000. Two days later, I get a phone call. Hey, Pastor, are you still doing wells? Yeah, I am. And, uh, well, how much? I gave him a price. And he says, we got $1,000. Talk about God working within two days. Isn't that amazing? That was a direct answer to prayer and a commitment that I made to the man who asked without exactly knowing where it was going to come from. But I said, yeah, we'll do that. It's amazing how God works. But what is it that you have that God may be asking you to give to further the gospel in the kingdom of God? For Barnabas, being a person of encouragement and having that reputation, it basically said that he had some land, and he sold it, and he says, I'll lay it at the apostles' feet. Then what did they do? The apostles dispersed it to those who had need. What is it that God may be asking you to give First thing that you realize with Barnabas is that he was a giver. The second thing is in Acts chapter 9. Is the second thing that you see about him in verses 26 and 27. It says, and when he came to Jerusalem, this is Barnabas here, came to Jerusalem, uh, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and recounted to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had talked to him, and how at Damascus he had spoken up boldly in the name of Jesus. You see, one thing about Barnabas here is that he was faithful. 
He was faithful. When no one else wanted to take in this new convert named Saul because of his reputation, because of the things that he had done, Barnabas steps up and he says, hey, I've witnessed this man. He chose to be faithful concerning what he knew. Question, are you faithful concerning what you know? To whom much is given, much is what? Expected and required. The bottom line is God doesn't just give you information for information's sake. He doesn't give you knowledge just so that you can get puffed up. He gives you information. He gives you the ability to know things so that you will use it for His glory. The bottom line is Barnabas is faithful. What he knew of Saul, he was going to let the others know. Number three, we see in verses 22 through 26 of chapter 11. So he's being sent down, right? As we begin to read down to Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch, verse 22. Verse 23, who, referring to Barnabas, when he arrived and saw the grace of God, rejoiced and began to encourage them all with a purposeful heart to remain true to the Lord. He encouraged those that he came in contact with to remain faithful to God. How many of us know people who are going through times of discouragement? Raise your hand. You know somebody who's frustrated? You know somebody who's discouraged? Somebody who's going through a difficult situation? Raise your hand. Barnabas was taking what he knew about God and looking at those people and saying, just turn to God. Be faithful to Him. If there was a circumstance, I guess if Barnabas were in this room today and he found out that you're going through a difficult time, he'd say, hey, let me pray with you. Let me encourage you to turn to God. Let me encourage you that God is faithful and He's going to help you through it. And He's got the strength and the power and the ability to get you through this difficult situation that you're in. Barnabas was that person. He was an encourager. And in verse 26, I'm sorry, verse 25, after he left for Tarsus to search for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it happened there for an entire year that they met with the church and taught a considerable crowd, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Barnabas got to be a part of that. I don't know about you, but Barnabas is looking like a pretty cool guy, a guy that I want to be like, a guy that every one of us in this, in this auditorium this morning could be like to be a giver, to be faithful with what you know, to be an encourager. But then we also see one more in Acts chapter 15 that we'll get to later. But in Acts chapter 15 and beginning of verse 36, it says this. There was a disagreement that arose between Paul and Barnabas. Now after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. And Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with him also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them onto the work. And there was such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Now think about this. You ever had a disagreement with a brother in Christ? Raise your hand if you've had one of those. And isn't it in our nature and our flesh that we get so upset we just kind of walk away? You know what the argument was? Well, John Mark quit before, and why would you take with him now? Bottom line is, there is a reason why he took him. And you know, God's Word doesn't tell us why John Mark stopped for the season. Maybe he had to go back and tend to his family. Maybe he didn't feel well. Maybe he needed to just take a break. Maybe he was tired. I don't know. God's Word doesn't tell us. But here's that, remember this guy, Paul, who was once Saul, saying, no, I don't want him. And Barnabas goes to his side. When no one else wanted to, Barnabas says, listen, I'm going to take him with me. 
And when he did, it says that God said that he had been faithful and he was profitable unto me for ministry. He was willing to come to those who were down and discouraged and maybe those that were cast out by others. You see, other Christians aren't perfect either. Sometimes they think that they know it all and they don't. Here's Saul, who is now Paul, saying, no, don't take him. Barnabas says, too bad, I'm taking him. And God's word says that he was faithful to me under ministry. You see, he was a giver. What is it that God may ask us to give to further the work of Jesus Christ? He was faithful with what he knew. Are we faithful with what God has entrusted to us? He was an encourager. Are you an encourager? And number four, he was forgiving. Even though Saul, then Paul, was wrong, he still says, I'll forgive you, and I'm going to use him anyway. He was forgive, forgiving. Barnabas, so then, is sent to Antioch, verse 22. And in verse 23, several things happen. So back in our text in Acts chapter 11, verse 23 says, Who, when he arrived and saw the grace of God, rejoiced and began to encourage them all with a purposeful heart to remain true to the word. So first of all, he experiences the grace of God. If we don't experience anything else but the grace of God, we are blessed. Because God's grace gives us what we don't deserve. We're recipients of God's grace every day. Even when we're going through our most difficult time. What does God say in 2 Corinthians 12, I believe it is? That my grace is sufficient. He gives us his grace to go through everything that we go through. He rejoices. You know, some people are just like a bump on a pickle. You ever notice that? I mean, the greatest thing in the world could be happening. They're like, dare you to make me smile. Dare you to make me laugh. I don't care how good God is. I just know how he's treated me. Man, some people are like a bump on a pickle. Ain't nothing going to make them happy. When Barnabas saw the grace of God at work, it caused even more rejoicing. You should rejoice at what God is doing. Get excited about once in a while. Thank you, Bill. Get excited once in a while. That God is actually somebody that you can get excited about. And when he's at work, I get excited that he's at work. I mean, I got excited that guy calls me and says, can you do it well? Yep. I get excited that two days later someone says, I want to cover one. Was that coincidence? No. That's exciting to me that somebody like God worked through them to answer another prayer request. I, that makes me rejoice that God do it again. It's amazing what God will do if you just get excited about what he'll do. And then he turns around, verse 23, and encourages others to remain faithful and true. If you're ever down, that's the time to turn to God. I've had people say, well, I'm just going through a difficult time. I'm going to stay home. No, that's the time not to stay home. When you're going through a difficult time, you need to get around brothers and sisters in Christ who will encourage you and pray with you and lift you up and edify you. You need one another in the body of Christ. Men, you need other men because iron sharpens iron. Men, you need that. You need to be there Thursday night. Why is it because it's just so awesome? No, because you need it. You need the encouragement. 
Show up. Have a desire to dig deep. Walk with God. Grow. And verse 24 says this, For he was a good man. Well, what does that mean? We throw that term out flippantly at funerals and say, well, he's a good man. But I wonder if it means what it meant for Barnabas. God qualifies what he meant by this. Full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. These are the two things that made him a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and he was full of faith. Guys, I don't know about you, but I would love for that to be said of me. I would love to be a Barnabas. I would love to be a man who is full of the Holy Spirit. I think far too often I'm full of my own flesh, full of my own desires, my own, my own wants. But a man full of the Holy Spirit, there's no telling what God can do in and through that life. And because of it, he brought many to the Lord, verse 24. It says, a man full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a considerable crowd was brought to the Lord. I don't know what the word considerable means. I don't know if it was, it's more than one. I think it's more than just a few, right? Because otherwise it would have said few or one. But it says considerable. Think about that. God used Barnabas to turn a considerable amount of people in the crowd to Jesus. Wouldn't that be cool? Rejoice over that. Get excited about that. Isn't that awesome? And then Barnabas in verse 25 heads down to Tarsus in search of Saul, this other guy who didn't want to take John Mark early on. He's still young in his faith. He's still a new believer, so to speak. God turns Saul into Paul, we know later. But verse 27 says, um, Now in those days some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and indicated by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine over all the world. And this took place in the reign of, under the reign of Claudius. Now, wait a minute. That sounds like a great prophecy. By the way, guys, we're going to go through an incredible famine. Just heads up. Yeah. Yeehaw. Great news. Thanks for telling me that. But Barnabas heads down to Tarsus. Bring Saul to Antioch where they're told that they're going to be there. But you know what? For a whole year, what does he do? Look at this, verse 26. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it happened that for an entire year they met with the church and taught a considerable crowd, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. For a whole year they just devoted themselves to teaching and learning. Isn't that awesome? Folks, let me just help you understand something. We don't offer all kinds of Bible studies here at Harvest Bible just for something to fill the calendar. That's not why they're there. That's not why Penny meets every Wednesday at 3 o'clock just because she has nothing better to do in her life. That's not why Teresa teaches every Sunday night at 6 o'clock to the ladies because she has nothing better to do on a Sunday night. That's not why we meet at 5.45 and study doctrine at 6.45 and do a, a regular Bible study through the book of James just because we have nothing better to do. There's always things to do, right? Anybody not have anything to do on your to-do list? If you don't, let me know. I'll give you a couple things off mine. We all have things to do. But the most important thing that we can do is study God's Word, not just for more information, but so that we can turn around and apply it to our hearts and our lives so that we can be more like Christ 
and turn around and tell others about him because other, world, other people in this world need to know Jesus, right? We have opportunities to learn. That's my job, to teach. Ephesians 4.11, he gave some pastors, bishops, teachers, evangelists to equip the saints to learn more. No, to do the work of the ministry. You're here to learn so that you can be a part of what God is doing. That's why he has you here. That was extra. Um, verse 27. We're almost through. Now in those days, some prophets came down to Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and indicated by the Spirit that there were going to, to be a great famine over all the world, and this would take place in the reign of Claudius. And as some of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution to the, for the service of the brothers who were living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. So even in this time of difficulty, Agabus prophesies of this great famine. And what does everyone do? They begin to take contributions. So that even if there was a great famine, even if there was no food available, even if things got difficult, we're going to contribute so that they can continue to do the work. Wow. They said, we don't want this to stop. And think about this, verse 29. And as any of the disciples had means, not everybody said any of them that did. He's not asking you to give what you don't have. He's saying, if you have something, those that did, each of them had determined to send a contribution for the service of the brothers living in Judea. And this they did through Barnabas and Saul to the elders. They continued to support and encourage them with their contributions so that the work wouldn't stop. It's amazing how God works. You know, I believe that with everything that's happening in our church, when God prompts us to do something within the body of Christ, he'll pay for what he orders through the people in that church. He does it over and over again. I'm amazed at what God does. You know, little by little, things are getting done around here. God's providing. God's meeting needs. And he's doing it through you. But it's amazing that it takes a Barnabas for God to work through. And those four things, being a giver, being faithful, being an encourager, being forgiven, or being a forgiver, man, there's no telling what God will do through people who will say, I want to be like Barnabas. I'll go down there. I'll leave the comforts of home. I'll go over to Antioch. I'll go over to Jerusalem. I'll go over to Cyprus and Cyrene. I'll, I'll go do it. What is God asking you to do? To be a part of his work. This is so important that it's not just words on a piece of paper in a book. It's more than that. If we don't believe this book to be true and applicable to our lives, what good is it if we don't apply it? What is it that God wants to do in and through you? You say, well, God can use me. Yeah, he can use you. Despite you, he can use you. It doesn't matter what you think your abilities and skills are or aren't. That's irrelevant. I've said it for 12 years. The eyes of God run to and fro through Halta Oars, 2 Chronicles 16, to show himself strong in him whose heart is perfect towards him. That word perfect means mature, complete. So the person that says, God, work through me, he says, I'll do it. He's looking for that person. He's looking for that person to be a Barnabas. Will you be it? 
Will you let God work through you? I don't know how God wants to use you. I, I don't know all of you personally. I know most of you. But I don't know what God's doing in and through your life. But I know this. He'll use you if you let him. I know that to be true. I know that his spirit is wanting to do something in truth. And part of what we've been learning on Wednesday nights is, man, see where God is at work and get involved with it. And when he starts doing that, he starts expanding what he's doing, and it gets more and more. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who's not dead. He's alive and on the throne, and he's working in our midst. I'm so grateful for that. How is God wanting to use you? Will you let him use you? How will you respond to the spirits working in your life? Lord Jesus, as we come before you this morning, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. We thank you that you have not given up on us. We thank you that you're still at work and that you work in and through us despite us, dear Father. We thank you that you're a God who knows all. God, you know our strengths, you know our weaknesses, and Lord, despite any of them, you still use us because you're that powerful. And I ask, dear Father, Lord, that all that are in this room this morning, Lord, I pray that you'd work in their hearts, Lord, for them to be able to respond how you want them to respond. God, you're a powerful God. You're not finished yet. And so, God, we pray that you'd have your will and your way. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just ask for a moment that no one be looking around. But every week we have just a, a minute uh, of an opportunity to respond to what God has challenged us with. As I say often, don't just come to church, hear a message, and leave. Ask the question, how does God want me to respond to what I've heard? What does God want me to maybe do differently because of what I've heard? What does God want me to maybe repent of or commit to because of what I've heard? Maybe you're here this morning and say, I am not a giver. I'm not an encourager. I've not been faithful. I haven't forgiven others. I haven't been like Barnabas. Maybe today God's convicting you and say, ah, I need to be more like Barnabas. Say, Pastor, pray for me. That's my desire. Yeah. Maybe this morning you say, I need to change some things. I need to be more like Barnabas. Yes. But maybe this morning God is saying, hey, I want you to give up some things. I want you to be more faithful with what you know. I want you to forgive others and encourage them who are maybe down. Maybe God will have you to go around and say, hey, can I pray with you? He wants you to be like Barnabas. But whatever it is that God has challenged you with this morning, maybe that thought of, hey, maybe I've never thought about doing that. Maybe I haven't thought about going to this person. Maybe those things are not just coincidences. Maybe those are things where the Holy Spirit is challenging you to do something about it. And you say, Pastor, this morning God has challenged me in some areas. There's some things that I need to do differently. Would you pray for me this morning? Yes. In the front, in the back, the sides. And I challenge those of you who've raised your hand right now in this moment. I'm not asking you to come forward. I'm not asking you to get up and go anywhere. I'm asking you in this moment when the Holy Spirit is working in your heart to simply pray. Just simply pray. Because for him that knows to do good according to James and doesn't do it, sin. God, forgive me of the sin. There's some things I should be doing I haven't been doing. Oh, God, forgive me. I ask for your forgiveness. Maybe God's calling you to be a Barnabas. There's some things that he wants you to give to. Some things he wants you to do with what you know, your knowledge. He wants you to be faithful in some areas. God, help me to be faithful. 
Just take a moment and talk to God. He's there with you. You don't have to pray in these and those and this. Just talk to Him. Just take a moment and talk to Him. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd work in our hearts this morning. Lord, all across this auditorium, Lord, you've challenged hearts with your word. Lord, you've shown us another story in your word that's true and applicable to our hearts and our lives. It started off with Peter just being faithful to share the word and then enlisting others like Barnabas and Paul to join in and also share the word. And Lord, there was rejoicing over what you were doing. And your word expanded and people came to know you. And I pray, God, that you would do that here in Henrietta, in Gates, Greece, and every surrounding town, Lord. Everywhere that we have families from our church, Lord, where they live, I pray, God, that you'd use them mightily. Lord, that, as it says with Barnabas, a considerable part of the crowd turned their hearts towards you. God, we pray for a revival like that. But for each one who raised their hand, their heart towards you this morning, we ask, dear Father, that you would do a work in their lives that only you can do. Grant victory, we pray. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all